Ken, welcome and thank you for joining me here on Live with C Sharp. Oh, thanks for having me. It's a great pleasure. Um, so want to talk about your journey into music. What actually sparked your interest in music? Well, actually, uh, I started being involved in music in elementary school. Early on in elementary school, we had general music classes. And at third grade, we could start playing an instrument. And so I played viola for a year. Cool. For, for a year, because I just wanted to play. And then, um, yeah, the next year, we could start playing band instruments. And I started playing trumpet and quickly moved to baritone horn. At least the band director moved me to band, baritone horn. Um, and in junior high school or middle school, I started playing trombone. And so, you know, I always enjoyed it. And I progressed pretty quickly on trombone. Um, now, like eighth grade or so. And then, you know, the following year, I started taking trombone lessons from um, people in the area. And I'm from around Annapolis, Maryland. Um, that area has tons of musicians from, you know, the Baltimore Symphony, Annapolis Symphony, mm-hmm. National Symphony, plus all of the service bands um, that are there. Um, Army Field Band, Navy, Navy Band, um, the Naval Academy Band, plus all the, you know, the Marine Band, the Army Band, the Navy Band that are stationed in D.C. So, Within a very small area, there are just a huge concentration of musicians. Right. You had access to professional musicians from various walks of life, various ensembles, and you were in, in an ideal location. Yeah, it was. it's pretty unusual. I mean, at the time, there was even a professional brass quintet, the Annapolis Brass Quintet, um, and they would come into the schools and um, coach so it was it was pretty unusual, and they would, you know, I would go to their concerts at the Anne Arundel Community College, and they had a series there. So it was it was, I mean, really very rich. It was a very rich upbringing in music. Who were some of the people that guided you along the way or inspired you during this journey? Well, you know, I have to say, um, I was always encouraged by my band directors in school. They were always very encouraging to me. And then, you know, besides that, my mom was a public school teacher, and she knew other band directors, and I met band directors from that she had known in her time teaching. Uh, in Baltimore, at that time, there was an organization called the Left Bank Jazz Society that would put on Sunday afternoon concerts in a ballroom in um, Baltimore. And so it was like 3 or 4 o'clock, and my dad would drive us up to Baltimore, me and my friends, and we would... You know, he'd drop us off, and, you know, you could sit in there and hear, hear an afternoon concert and have a great time. And, I mean, I heard, like, you know, Dexter Gordon and Freddie Hubbard and Johnny Griffin, Maynard Ferguson, wow. Blakey. I mean, it was uh, crazy. And that, that was the, the music community that was there and uh, there to nurture you and that you could experience firsthand. And, and like you said, I, I know that you definitely didn't take that for granted and we're probably sucking it all up, soaking it up like a sponge. Yeah, you know, I I think I probably did take it for granted because it just seemed normal. I mean, it was just something we did. What sealed the deal for you to pursue a career as a professional musician? Because you could have kept this up as a hobby and 
went into something else? Well, there was some time in high school I was um, playing in all these different groups and taking private lessons, and I was like, oh, I think I want to be a professional musician. And then I started just saying it, you know, not really getting it or quite understanding the life of a professional musician and what it, it involved. But I just started saying it and kind of asking people about, oh, you know, do you go to school for this? And, you know, learn that way. Um, and then I was taking private lessons, and my trombone teacher was made some recommendations to go for um, different music schools. And it, it kind of happened. That's really kind of the way it happened. I didn't have um, – I wasn't one of these kids that was like, I'm going to play in the Boston Symphony. Mm-hmm. You know, like hear about some stories like some kid there, 13 years old, and that's what they say. I wasn't like that. I mean, I really enjoyed it. Um, but, I mean, I certainly was not an orchestra head. I, I was not like – encyclopedic <laughs> about it. I mean, I just enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it and loved the sound of the orchestra. Um, and I think that's what propelled me, the love of it, love of the sound and the, just a general, you know, deep curiosity about music. And when I went to Northwestern, you know, everybody was like, oh, you got to hear the Chicago Symphony, Chicago Symphony, Chicago Symphony, you know. And I went down and I was sitting there and I'll never forget it because the program was Mahler 1, but prior to the performance, you know, people were sitting on stage warming up, and Adolf Herzog was playing, and um, like, I never even heard anybody play a trumpet like that before, and Arnold Jacobs was playing tuba, and I, was, I mean, it was crazy. Like, just sitting there listening to people warm up, I was like, you know, it took me to another place mentally about mm-hmm. what an instrument could sound like, um, mm-hmm. and I'd heard very, very good players, um, but not like that. Um, and then they play Mahler 1, and then, you know, the final movement, the, all the horns stand up and play the melody. And it sounded like one gigantic horn. And I was just like, oh, my goodness. You know, I have to do this. I mean, I, I'm honestly, God, I heard that concert, and I was like, I have to do this. It was so powerful. And then, I mean, I spent my time there going to as many concerts as I could and practicing nonstop. And now you're here. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, it happened just like that. And now you're here at the the Detroit Symphony Orchestra, but it didn't happen necessarily that quickly. You didn't go from Northwestern University um, to Detroit. Talk a little bit about your professional journey after Northwestern and um, how you came to Detroit. Sure. So um, after Northwestern, I went to Temple University and studied with Eric Carlson, um, who was the second trombonist of the Philadelphia Orchestra. And so, you know, I got I did pretty much the same thing. I heard a bunch of Philadelphia Orchestra concerts and um you know, took all that in and studied and listened to tons of music and started to prepare, you know, get ready to take auditions. So I was learning orchestral excerpts and just getting more involved um, with the repertoire. So, you know, after I completed my studies at Temple, a temporary position opened up in the Florida Orchestra. It was like, you know, from November to May, 
So I went down there. And, um, you know, knowing that that shot, that um, spot was going to be closed, I was looking for something else to do. And I saw an ad in the musician's paper for the fellowship program here in Detroit, the African-American fellowship program. So, you know, I flew up to Detroit, never been to Detroit before, and I took the audition and I got the, the spot for the fellowship program, um, you know, which was such a great experience for me just to play with professional musicians at a who played at an extremely high level, and that set my, my sights higher and really inspired me to, you know, keep on going and... and um, improve my skills. Now, for those who don't know about the African-American Fellowship Program at the Detroit Symphony Orchestra, can you speak a little bit about the program? Sure. It's a a wonderful program where the DSO will audition and bring in um, talented young musicians who will then play with the orchestra for several weeks. In addition to that, they'll study with musicians and the orchestra take private lessons, and they're required to do uh, mock auditions. Um, so it's a pretty comprehensive program to prepare musicians to take auditions and go forth and, and get positions. And how long do fellows spend in the program once they, if, if you win the audition? Up to two years. Up, Up to, to two years. Two years. Mm-hmm. Okay. So... Yeah. This program is pretty unique, the African-American Fellowship Program here in Detroit. It was at one time. Now uh, many orchestras have similar programs. Um, You know, since there's been a push to have cultural organizations look and represent their communities uh, more equitably, there's been a push to have more of these type of programs. I think our program is the best. <laughs> so the Detroit Symphony Orchestra was a, a trendsetter, a, tra- a trailblazer, if you will, by having this African-American fellowship program to uh, create, I guess, better access and more balance and to help prepare African-American musicians to enter um, professional symphony orchestras. Yes. Yeah, and it's been a very successful program. Uh, many musicians have gone on to hold professional uh, positions, so it's been quite successful. Of course, including yourself. Including myself. <laughs> and now you serve as a mentor for the program. What is that like, mentoring um, up-and-coming professional musicians? Well, you know, it's really exciting. It's really exciting for me, you know, since I participate in the program and, um, you know, I want uh, every person that comes through that program, I want them to do well. I want them to have a great experience and go forth and just have wonderful careers in music. Well, and even if they don't have wonderful careers in music and they go on to pursue something else, I want them to have great experience uh, with the Detroit Symphony Orchestra. So, you know, when a, a person comes into this program, I, I, I'm just very excited for them. Um, I hope they have a great time. Right, and the tools that they gain, whether they go on to um, have a thriving career as a professional musician or experience uh, another field, the tools and resources that they gain during that time, they can take with them where wherever they go. 
Right. It's the same, you know, you know, perseverance, 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 <laughs> thoughtful study and introspection. Um, yeah, and perseverance, you know, you got to have some, you got to stick to it. And you have to be willing to uh, take a step back and analyze things as you go and, um, you know, reorganize your thoughts or, or priorities in order to get to make gains. So, I mean, that, that, that to me is continually the story about being a musician. You have to be willing to assess where you are and where you want to go and how you're going to get there. It's just not, I'm going to do the same thing the same way forever and be successful. It's just, it's not that way. <laughs> you have to keep on evaluating where you are, where you want to go, and how you're going to get there. Right. I, I think that's um, valuable advice, no matter what field you are pursuing or are in, never become complacent and right. and always be willing to evaluate yourself and, and reflect. So I, I think that's great advice. Um, if you could take those nuggets from Ken and tuck them under your cap, please <laughs> definitely do so. so. Yeah, and it's always learning. I mean, the fun part, you know, a lot of the fun for me is like music is so vast. There's always something to learn and there's always something to listen to. I mean, there's always new something new Mm -hmm. and even with the pieces that i'm familiar with you know you listen to them again you start studying them again and they reveal different things so that's always i mean it's it's just a complete joy to immerse yourself in something so completely that you're discovering different things about it even if you're somewhat familiar with it there's always still something new to find oh yeah yeah How can we continue to bridge the gap and create access to education and careers in, in classical music for African-Americans and, and people of all backgrounds and walks of life? Well, you said the key word, access. You know, there just needs to be an awareness, a general awareness, period, that people from different walks of life do not have equal access you know, for a lot of different reasons. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, if you want to create access, you need funding. Um, and so it has to become a priority, you know, with people that have um, wealth and foundations and different organizations to put money towards these efforts, you know, because it's not, it's not the story necessarily of creating, you know, the next Heifetz or Perlman or Yo-Yo Ma. It's about creating, you know, better, well-rounded individuals and strengthening your communities. I mean, that's why you want the arts (laughs) in your communities, to strengthen your communities, um, not necessarily to, you know, create the next superstar artist. Absolutely. And I think that goes back to what you were saying, that even on, on a higher level, on a professional level, you gain so many skills and and learn to reflect and and the same skills that you gain as a professional musician are are skills and tools that you gain as a youth when you have when you you have access to arts and um to arts education and to 
awesome ensembles like the Detroit Symphony Orchestra and to be able to experience them. Yes, it's just, I mean, it's so wonderful, you know, just have that immersive experience and to, you know, let yourself dream and to, um, you know, think big and varied and, and wildly, um, you know, at a young age and not be, um, not have those feelings or thoughts suppressed. Right, to be able um, to express it and dream big, yeah. Yeah, dream big, just, you know, let let it let it go. Just, you know, let those thoughts go and um, experience different things. So thinking thinking out loud here, a general person, perhaps they could sponsor a student, one student to go when, well, when we're able to, to go to a concert or maybe donate an instrument to a school or sponsor a child to have access to an instrument if they're in orchestra and don't have an instrument at school. Um, just thinking about ways that the everyday person can help uh, create that access to uh, a quality arts education or to experience uh, music. Well, I'm glad you asked that general question because, you know, the Detroit Symphony is starting this Detroit Harmony program, which is, you know, creating access points. So, you know, any child in the city that wants an instrument can get an instrument. Um, and this program is, is getting off the ground as we speak. If you contact the education department at the DSO, as far as, you know, donating, you know, funds to sponsor someone taking private lessons, you know, maybe through the Civic Orchestra Program, Civic Youth Ensembles, excuse me, um, that's a great place to start. Definitely is a great place to start. I, I know that I was a part of the the Civic <laughs> Youth Ensembles, and I think that is actually where I met you yeah. uh, as, as a youth. It was yeah. yeah through the Civic on uh, Civic Youth Ensembles, and that was just last year. <laughs> right, right, just just last year when we were all young whippersnappers, <laughs> <laughs> and and you know I was actually sponsored to. Um, participate in the Civic Youth Ensembles, an awesome musician. I call her Mom C. You know her as Caroline Code. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she sponsored me all of the years that I participated and was a musician in the Civic Training Program. And and I'm always grateful to Mom C. Caroline Code for um, investing, investing in the community and in the future she knew the value of investing in in the youth, and, and she definitely did. So Ken just also gave you um, quite a bit of fantastic information about this program that the Detroit Symphony Orchestra is uh, kickstarting right now as we speak that you can donate instruments to. So feel free to, to continue to invest in the future of music education and giving youth um, an experience with classical music. Yeah, I'm so happy you mentioned um, Caroline Coach. She's a you know, wonderful musician, friend, colleague, um, such an asset to the orchestra. And I mean, there are many people in the orchestra that are, you know, donate to the community in, in various ways and support. Yes. Support Detroit. So, yeah, I mean, it's really, I mean, it really is, you know, everyone's ensemble it's everyone's orchestra so 
we've talked about how the adults can help. What advice do you have for the next generation of up-and-coming musicians? Well, uh, for the up-and-coming musicians, I mean, of course, you know, practice. (laughs) (laughs) Study. (laughs) Study diligently. You know, practice thoughtfully. Um, You know, keep your antennas up as to different opportunities that arise. Um, And, you know, being open to just different things, different ideas, um, different challenges, and don't shut yourself off from opportunities Um, just because it's like something you've never done before. You know, you're thinking, oh, I'm going to do this, and you set your mind exactly to that, but you're limiting yourself. So, you know, don't don't limit yourself. Just, um, you know, keep on exploring you know, different opportunities musically. Um, yeah, there's there's so many options, and it definitely would behoove the young musician to uh, keep an open mind and keep your options open. What's your advice for dealing with challenges and rejection? Well, you know, challenges... You know, if you're not being challenged, you're not alive. <laughs> okay. <laughs> just like, you know, that's it's part of life. Rejection is is part of life. Um, and you know, failure is part of learning. I mean, I don't even really want to say it's failure. It's just part of learning. Like you didn't do as well as you expected to do for whatever reason. Um, you know, you kind of have to analyze it and see uh, what happened and try to improve from the experience. Um, You know, and try to keep an even keel about yourself and your development, realizing that, you know, development isn't, you know, a a steep, you know, ascent necessarily. Like, you're going to just go straight up. So, you know, you can go up a little bit, then plateau, then go up a lot, then plateau for a long time, then go up a little bit, and plateau, you know, and you may be working at the same rate, um, but you know everyone's development is different, and just realize that, and that you're 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 really um, going at your own pace, and you're running your own race, you know, like comparing yourself to others is is not necessarily the greatest thing to do when you're you're in this uh, pursuit. You know, sometimes it's helpful. Uh, many times it's not. Right. It's good to be inspired, but not to necessarily turn that inspiration and, and take it further to something that becomes uh, self-destructive. Right, self-destructive and unhealthy competition. Right, right. And and just generally being able to um, being able to withstand healthy constructive criticism and not take it personally. Um, and then, you know, as with any profession, any type of learning situation, the student may encounter someone that's not necessarily pleasant to deal with. Um, and that's just part of the experience and not let it cast a negative or poor impression upon the profession itself. It's just that individual may have a poor attitude. Right, but don't let that discourage you. Right, right.
Ken, I want to shift gears a little bit. Um, I'm celebrating Black History Month here on Live with C Sharp. And um, we have some spirituals that we'll be playing uh, during this hour. And I know that you have an album out, which we're going to talk about a little bit later that includes some African-American spirituals. But I wanted to know if you could just talk about the history of spirituals and and the importance of spirituals um, to to African-Americans. Well, they're so important in the history of, you know, Africans in America, you know, from enslaved Africans to freed Africans, so-called Negroes, to colored people, to African-Americans or blacks. Um, I mean, this really, those songs, those spirituals are our story. Um, you know, our joy, our sorrow, our grief. It, it just, it's, to me, they're like everything of the African-American uh, experience. They're, they're in those songs. So they should be celebrated and performed widely. Um, and I put them on my CD because I want, you know, I, I like playing songs. And part of the training of a trombonist in this country is like you, you learn cantabile, a singing style, through playing art songs. Um, and etudes, generally Bordoni, um, he's a composer, or Conconi. And, you know, then you might explore, you know, playing Brahms songs or Mahler songs or Strauss songs. But I was like, you know, these these spirituals, those are our songs. These are American songs. They're, that's us. So I just think they're so important to be played um, and celebrated. And you included them on your album, Sonatas, Songs, and Spirituals. So I have to mention that Chris Johnson was the arranger for the spirituals on my CD because it's arranged for trombone and string quartet. And he did um, such a fantastic job. Yes, Chris is an absolute fantastic composer, arranger, trumpeter, and educator. Um, Another product of the Detroit Symphony Orchestra's training ensembles. We were in the civic ensembles together as well. During these unusual times that we're in during these pandemic times. Can you talk about the importance of spirituals in our world today and and for everyone? So during the civil rights movement, you know, these spirituals, these songs were were sung all the time by, you know, Dr. King and people striving to make America live up to its promise. So you know, we're we're still there. <laughs> I mean, of course things are better, you know, than in the nineteen fifties and sixties, but I mean we're still we're we're still struggling to make America, you know, live up to its promises that are in the Constitution. Um and the struggle's real as everyone saw on January sixth. I mean to me these songs you get great peace and comfort um from hearing them and singing them. I mean, this for me, this is something I've heard like all of my life. Like, I, I really can't remember, remember not hearing these songs. So, I mean, I think for anyone hearing this and being receptive to 
a message um, that could be a point of great peace and comfort. Peace and comfort. I, I think those are two things that we definitely need right now. Peace and comfort. And the African-American spirituals definitely can provide that. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest for today, Mr. Kenneth Tompkins, Principal Trombonist for the Detroit Symphony Orchestra. Thank you so much for spending an afternoon with me here on Live with C Sharp. You are so welcome. It was my great pleasure.